Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Social Sit Down Podcast. I'm your host Sean Thomas. This week it was a weird week for me personally in football. I'll discuss that a little bit. I'll also talk about the NBA being geared back up. The draft is coming tomorrow and there were some trades that went down this week as soon as the moratorium got lifted. All that and a little bit more, so stay tuned. So lately I've started every podcast talking about college football. Today won't be different. It's just going to sound a little bit different. The uh, the COVID cancellations kind of took away half the games I really wanted to see. was really focused on. I believe two or three SEC games got canceled as well. And I feel like I'm all alone in how I feel about this because at the beginning of the season, I swore up and down that I would not be the only one that wanted to cancel the entire season because of this disease. However, people like uh, the parents of the Big Ten, I believe the students of the Pac-12 with backing from either parents or legalese, whomever, they shouted this thing down. They wanted to go ahead and play. Uh, The current president of the United States kind of messed things up in the Midwest Doors will open back up, and now you have all sorts of problems from the small conferences to the big conferences. Some teams have played like seven to eight games. Some teams played only two. Wisconsin had to cancel three games, not postpone, cancel. Those games will not be made up. If they have the winning percentage, supposedly they get a chance to fight for the Big Ten championship. I still don't know how that's going to work out, but... One of the first major dominoes from from this year has fell, in my personal opinion. Penn State running back Journey Brown has retired with a heart condition that's supposedly not related to COVID-19. However, the type of heart condition that he had sounds like the heart condition that the Big Ten shut all of this down for three months ago before you know who just stepped in and tried to get reelected and pushed play, 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 health be damned. This is a hoax. And now this young man has to retire in college. He'll never play football ever again in his life. I don't know how his life will be changed by this. If he's not allowed to play football, as a strenuous exercise. I don't know what kind of exercise he's allowed to have. I don't know if he'll be able to jog, walk, anything like that. But there's people that we don't really know about because they're not associated with big-name colleges who have died this year from COVID-19. This young man is about to retire because of a heart condition. Games have been canceled, and we're still out here moving along like nothing has happened and that's kind of scary the numbers are further up right now than they were when we first shut down back in March it seems like people are more and more laxed with being in crowds with wearing masks with taking whatever precaution you need to take and I don't know if frightening is the correct word. Frightening might be a word that some others may use. Uh, 
me, I'm disappointed. I'm very disappointed in us as a people, as a country, that we're allowing this to happen. And that we didn't step in the gap and advocate for these young men to, I know what you really want to do, but let's shut this thing down. The seniors will get another year. Juniors get another year. If you're good enough, you could still make it to the NFL. Other remaining games that weren't canceled, the one that I, well, actually two that I really wanted to see was Florida versus Arkansas and Oregon versus Washington State. Both games <laughs> wound up being a blowout, but I was, I was intrigued by what I saw from the University of Florida. This young man, Kyle Trask, he's a senior. Uh, his stats at the end of the game, he was 23 of 29. He threw for 356 yards and six touchdowns. If you have an ear to the NFL and love the NFL draft, uh, the main quarterbacks you hear about all the time is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence is supposedly head and shoulders above everybody else, and Justin Fields is like a haircut underneath him. The other quarterback that they tend to mention from time to time is Trey Lance from South Dakota State University. Carson Wentz is kind of making him look bad right now because they're both from the same school, and Carson Wentz is just stinking it up right now. But Trey Lance is... He's he's the number three guy, but the number four and five guy has not been named yet. And for me, the way Kyle Trask has been running through the SEC, he's thrown for four-plus touchdowns for like five straight games. This young man is amazing to watch. And he's playing against nothing but SEC competition, so it's not cream puffs that he's throwing his ball against with all these touchdowns. He's listed at six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds, which I'll give him six four and a half, two thirty. He should be depending on how the season ends up, right now I have him at four. But depending on how the season ends up, I would move him as high as three or even as high as number two. Depending on how the season ends. If there's a season ender with this disease out here, another young man that many of you may not know or have heard of is a young man by the name of Zach Wilson. Plays quarterback for BYU, the undefeated BYU Cougars. He's listed at six foot three, two fifteen, but that just means like six one and a half, six two, maybe two hundred and nine pounds. But he's he has a decent size. His competition isn't as good as Kyle Trask, but it's decent enough to where he should get a look in a second or third round. But these are guys that you may or may not have heard of that's doing some really good things in college football right now. And come April or May, if we have an NFL draft, these two young men have the potential to be drafted in the first round, in my personal opinion. The last little bit of college football that I will discuss Right now, in the segment I like to call reading, has to do with my fake alma mater, a place that people assume that I graduated from because I spent so much time working for the athletic department, and that's LSU football. There was a USA Today report that came out that pointed a very, very bad and negative light on the athletic department as a whole. And the responsibility of the school, in part, 
dealing with rape allegations. So here's what I got from USA Today. So LSU mishandled sexual mis misconduct complaints against students. There was an alleged rape of Darius Geis against a member of the LSU's diving team that was reported in 2016. There was another alleged rape of Darius Geis against a member of LSU's tennis team in 2017. It was said that LSU Athletics ignored the, the abusers and denied the victim's request for protection. Uh, there was another LSU player, Drake Davis, former wide receiver, who allegedly physically abused his girlfriend, who is another tennis player for LSU's team. And where the school as a whole gets in trouble is... In this report, there was a frat member that abused his girlfriend. I believe he was stalking her as well. When she requested to do the bare minimum of at least switching classes that they both had, her request was denied. And neither the people, none of the people that I've named so far were suspended. By the time 2018 rolled around, the cases were dropped due to the victims ending communications with investigators because why would you keep bringing up a bad bad day in your life if people are not going to do anything for the past two three years and the final thing that i, I jotted down about this is that usa today had to sue lsu to get access to at least four of the reports made against the players and students by the victims. Again, this is disheartening. This is gross. And I'd be a big time hypocrite if I praise LSU for the good things that they do and I say absolutely nothing for the bad that they do. And this is bad. This is a bad look. This is what... um I'm not 100% sure, but it's borderline parallel to what Art Browse was doing at Baylor University. And it sounds like not just the athletes, but it also sounds like the campus itself was a horrible place for women. It seemed like every other woman at that school was raped and Baylor University could care less. As long as the money was rolling in, as long as the football team was doing well, they kept going with it. Eventually, the smoke got too, too congestive, and Art Browse lost his job. I believe a few other coaches, well, Art Browse and his whole coaching staff, they, they pretty much got wiped out. But I believe there was other coaches in other departments that lost their job. I believe the athletic director lost his or her job. And the president of the university, I believe, lost his or her job as well. Because like I said, it just it just seems like an atmosphere of the wild, wild west as far as women were concerned at Baylor University. And once something like this is that's happening to LSU took place, everybody was gone. So it's not it's not uh of course, the word I'm looking for is escaping me right now. But 
if Coach Coach O loses his job and the entire coaching staff for LSU football is, is fired or let go because of this, because they ignored this going all the way back to at least 2016 that we know of, and the refusal to to protect these young ladies, the refusal to help them out in any way, the refusal to work with the public to see what's really going on. I can't say nothing about it. It's, it's not extreme. It's quite possible that come 2021, Louisiana State University's football team and probably the school president will be different people than what they have today. And me personally, I will not shed a tear. I, I have much respect for the athletic department for what they did for me as a person when I was working there. But this is gross. This is deplorable. This is unacceptable. And I would go off on any other person, any other university that wasn't mine or that I wasn't affiliated with. And so the, the same has to go here for LSU. So again, if... This is as bad as it was at Baylor University. Everybody needs to kick rocks. Let the door split you in the ass. And whatever happens to you, happens to you. And I I have no remorse over that. A year after I returned back to college to finish my degree in 2011 at Southern University of New Orleans, I, I didn't hate football. But I did not watch football with the vigor and excitement that I did when I was a kid. I really, really wanted to coach this game. I really wanted to teach this game to young people. And it just, all my work seemed to be in vain, trying to get on to somebody's college campus, trying to get on somebody's sideline. And from 2011 to about maybe 2013, There was just no excitement for me as far as football is concerned. And the fact that I'm not able to coach this year because of the pandemic, it's put me in somewhat of the same mood. So this weekend, not only did I not watch a whole bunch of college football, this past Sunday, I didn't even watch a whole lot of NFL football. Um, The Masters was on, so that... That kind of wiped out half of the slate right there. I was able to watch Tampa Bay versus Carolina, but, I mean, it it meant nothing to me. And to show you how uninterested and how bored and how just out of sync I am because I'm not coaching, the Saints played the 49ers. If you've been with me since the beginning, you know that my two favorite teams in the NFL – the Saints, hometown team, and the 49ers because of Ricky Waters. I'm not about to go down that 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 line of uh storytelling again. But instead of watching that game, I went to the gym and I started lifting weights. Cause I just I I barely care anymore. And I'm hoping that it doesn't stay this way for the rest of the year. Because I really love talking about football. I'm studying this brand new offense that we're trying to run for next year. If we're allowed to play football. 
but that that same feeling that I had back in 2011-2012 it crept up on me and it's just not fun for me to watch this game anymore knowing that I'm not on the sidelines knowing that I I probably won't be on a collegiate sideline for all the work that I've put in and it's it's just added another year and so the only thing the only thing that's keeping me in this is the fact that just like some of y'all, most of y'all, I play fantasy football. And while I was waiting for the Sunday night game, because I really love my black quarterbacks, and wanted to see what Cam and Lamar was going to do for that night. I was losing my fantasy football game until <laughs> till, uh Mr. Kyler Murray decided to roll out to his left with 11 seconds left on the clock. Flick the ball about mm, 40, 50 yards down the field. And one of my starting wide receivers in DeAndre Hopkins with his Team Jordan jump man gloves on, out jumped everybody for the football, came down with it, touchdown. Miraculous. Miraculous. Uh, it's, it's so exciting. It's exciting for two two reasons. I'm happy that D-Hop was on my team. But I'm also laughing at the Houston Texans because they traded this man away thinking he was the, the, the anchor to all of their problems. And Bill O'Brien, in my personal opinion, should never, ever, ever, ever work in the NFL ever again. I don't give a damn what it is. He can't take the tickets. He can't park the cars. He can't do shit. There's no way you can allow this man back in the NFL for making that dumbass trade. And the Miami Dolphins are about to come up because he traded away D-Hop for nothing and brought in a right tackle to play left tackle from the Miami Dolphins and gave up a boatload of first-round picks in order to do so, along with Kenny Stills. But that, that I'm not going to nitpick with that. That's crap. That's crap. But he, since he has a complexion for the connection, he might get a job again. But I'm sitting there telling you right now, as a football coach myself who studies film, who watches this shit more than anybody listening right now, that man should never work in college football. He shouldn't be allowed to work in high school football. That's a horrible gauge of talent. You put your emotions over talent. You could not find a way whatever the hell was going on with with Hopkins. And from what I hear, the rumor mill is so goddamn frivolous that you couldn't work that out. You should never be allowed to coach ever again. I don't give a damn who you close with, who you friends with, or who you know. You should never be allowed to be on anybody's sidelines ever again. I digress. This new look Patriots team with the smash mouth football. It was awesome to see as a former high school running back and somebody who loves the running game. If they could sustain this and the defense is actually playing better with like eight missing people who opted out because of COVID. The Patriots won't win their division. I think that's going to go to either Miami or Buffalo, but they have a shot at making the playoffs. And I'll 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 be looking to see how the, how this goes out because I think there's only like seven weeks left, 
So we're coming down to the home stretch. Got to see how this goes. On the other side of the ball, Baltimore, that's pathetic. Baltimore's pathetic, and it's, it's not Lamar's fault. You got a scary offensive coordinator that has no, no creativity whatsoever. This offense... This offense started to go into the tank last year when Baltimore played against Tennessee. It looked so confusing. It looked so congested. I could not tell what was going on, why they were calling the plays they were calling, why they were running the plays they were running. It did not look like anything that they have been doing up to that point to make it to the 14-2 record that they had going into the playoffs last year. And it has carried over. They didn't draft any wide receivers. They didn't really bring in any uh, free agent wide receivers. They got they got uh, Des Bryant, who's past his prime, to catch like one or two passes, but that was like last game. You got a home run hitter in Hollywood Brown, and you, you don't even use him, man. The fans will scream and clamor that Lamar Jackson is terrible and blah, 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 whoop-de-whoop. And I'm sitting here and telling you, this offensive coordinator is not doing him any favors because he's not, he's not as creative as people may think he is. He had a, a nice little scheme, a nice little plan. He had a punch. He does not have a counter punch. And that is a huge problem. And that's why this team looks the way they look right now. Before I get out of here with the NFL talk, um, when I was finished lifting weights and came back to the house, I came back in time to see Jameis Winston taking snaps for the New Orleans Saints. Um, Apparently, the starting quarterback went down with some type of injury that we later found out was a collapsed lung and some bruised ribs. So, again, with only seven games, seven weeks remaining, uh, Saints starting quarterback won't be won't be in the lineup. It's going to be Jameis Winston. It's going to be Taysom Hill. If I doubt very seriously Taysom Hill gets significant playing time under center outside of that wildcat crap that they have. If for some odd reason Sean Payton does go with Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback, look to see what Baltimore did the majority of last season. If the smart money is on uh, Jameis Winston, if he's there, the short passes that you have been used to seeing, they're out the window. Uh, The dump-offs to Kamara, they are going to slow down a little bit. Right now, Kamara has more receiving yards and rushing yards. I think that's going to flip-flop for the last seven weeks, last seven games. Of course, this is uh, this prediction has holes in it because for some odd reason, Sean Payton hates running the football. I don't know what happened down there at San Diego State with him and Marshall Falk, but, I mean, he ran the hell out of Marshall Falk. Ran him for the tune of... 3,000 yards in two years. Got to the NFL and just the people that had a, 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 a handle on him as head coaches with Jim Fossil and Bill Parcells, they forced him to run the football. He got to New Orleans and just got trigger happy. You got Latavius Murray. You got 
Alvin Kamara, you can run the football. It's okay. And now that you have Jameis Winston, you don't know which Jameis Winston you're going to have for these last seven weeks. So running the football is going to be even more crucial going down the stretch, fighting for this number one seed and fighting for this week off to heal and stay away from COVID to start the playoff run that could potentially end up being a Super Bowl run. Again, smart money is on Jameis Winston, deeper passes, more running, more play action. If it's Taysom Hill, which I highly doubt, you'll see more of what you saw from Baltimore last year. At the time of making this rundown, um, the moratorium wasn't really lifted off of the NBA. The only thing I was going to say about the NBA up until this point was that the moratorium is going to be lifted. Look for a lot of trades to be taking place up until draft time. And I was going to leave it at that. Little did I know that while I was doing this or writing this up, the Lakers would trade Danny Green in a 28th overall pick, which quick pause. The Lakers still have draft picks. I thought they gave every single pick that they had to New Orleans just to get Anthony Davis. So this was a shock to me. But anyway, rewind. They got Dennis Schroeder for Danny Green and the 28th overall pick. So Danny Green is no longer in OKC. Uh, Don't cry for OKC. They're going to be all right. Again, while I was trading, excuse me, not trading, but while I was writing this up, the Suns provided an offer to OKC for Chris Paul. Chris Paul and some dude named Abdel Nader, never heard of him, might be good. I don't want to speak ill on your name. But uh, they were sent to the Suns in Oklahoma City, got back Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, a 2022 first-round draft pick, and... Some throwing players once again. Let me suggest this. Go to the, uh, there's a podcast called Trophies and Medals. Those young men talk about basketball way better than I, I do. Football is my game. Basketball is theirs. This is just more of an informative piece. So if Ty Jerome and Jalen LaCroix, LaCue, whatever his name is, he might actually be somebody decent. And I'm just I'm just throwing dirt on their name. But Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio going out to OKC to 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 say that they lost the two point guards that they lost, they're gonna be okay with these replacements. And OKC, just like the Pelicans, got have a slew of first round draft picks for like the next five or six years. It's it's ridiculous what they got. Um a throwaway that people probably won't pay attention to, but <sighs> degenerates like me. Houston traded away their small forward, Robert Covington, to the Portland Trailblazers to go with their dynamic duo. I don't recall what Portland got back because it wasn't, like, you know, sexy, and I'm trying to get people to listen not just be a degenerate like me. So I can't tell you what they got back, but Robert Covington going to play defense and be either uh, the, their starting three 
on a stretch four, that's pretty impressive. The big news that came out, well, let's go with the second big news. Let's talk about the Houston Rockets getting ready to trade Russell Westbrook. The teams, according to Sports Illustrated, that he would land to or land with would be the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Clippers. I don't know what any of these teams would give up. And if you're asking me where I'd rather see him play, in my biased opinion, I want to see him play in Miami. But of these three teams that's listed, I would love for Russell Westbrook to go to the Knicks and make the Knicks relevant again. I don't think... With his personality, I don't think he's going to care about the owner. I don't think he's going to care about the history over the past 20, 30 years of being irrelevant. None of that. If you tell Russ, man, Russ, this is your team. Here's the ball. Do whatever you want to do. The Knicks will be a 45-win team with Russell Westbrook, regardless of who's around him. 45 wins in the Eastern Conference. You'll be back in the playoffs. And New York basketball is going to be excited again. So, bias opinion, go down to Miami. Realistically, go to the Knicks. Make them relevant again. Make them fun to watch again. And I know that's going to make at least two people I know personally very, very happy. The other guy, James Harden. I thought James Harden was going to be traded, but I thought he was going to be traded for Philly, straight up for Ben Simmons. It looks like... It looks like he wants to go to the Nets and he gave up $50 million a year in order to leave Houston where there's no state taxes to go to Brooklyn where he not only gave up his $50 million, but he's going to be taxed up the ass out there in New York just to get away. I don't know what's going on in Houston. I don't know what the brand new coach has told him. I don't know what affection that he has for Kyrie Irving and for Kevin Durant, but he wants to get the hell up out of there, and he wants to go to the Brooklyn Nets ASAP. If I'm Brooklyn, pause. If I'm Houston, there's no way in hell I give up James Harden for anything less than Kyrie Irving and then some. You taking James Harden, the the rumor who can I credit this to? Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated said Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, Jared Allen, and possibly some draft picks. Hell no. Hell no. You taking a score away from me that some people say is the best score since Michael Jordan, and you're going to give me no disrespect, but as far as the star level is concerned, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, and Jared Allen, no way. I'm not selling tickets with that. I'm not getting on TV with that. Those are solid players. If you, you have an ear to the NBA, if you love basketball, period, you know that these are some solid players. But if you're the everyday fan that just shuffles through the TV screen, excuse me, does the, 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 the channel surfing thing, that's what I meant to say. Some channel surfing. You don't care about no Dinwiddie, Levert, Prince, and Allen. You want to hear something, somebody that you hear other people talk about all the time. And somebody that people talk about all the time is James Harden and his beard. Or Kyrie Irving and his little throw-off way, throwed-off way of thinking and his conspiracy theories. You're not coming, you're not watching 
Dinwiddie, Levert, Prince, and Allen. So y'all can miss me with that. If it does happen, though, intellectually speaking, that plus whatever you could get for Russell Westbrook will make Houston a competitive team. It just won't be something that that gets put on TV all the time. Same thing with OKC. OKC is going to be a competitive team. They'll probably even be a playoff team again. But if you don't know who Ricky Rubio is, you're probably not looking for OKC and the rest of the talent that they have there, even though they're solid guys. Let's just call it what it is. But I'm starting to get bored, and I don't want to bore you. So let me get off of the NBA and wrap this podcast up. Today's party message is what is your true purpose in life? Like, what are you or what have you been doing that you're you're pretty good at and you've been good at it for your entire life, but you tend to brush it off like it doesn't really mean that much. It's not that special. But everybody's always either complimenting complimenting you about it or they're asking you to do something for them with that gift that you have. Or strangers might even come up to you and tell you about something unique that's unique to you and you just brush it off and you're not you're not taking advantage of it. The reason why I bring this up is because I was listening to. I was listening to some music, the song called Juice, uh, a couple of days ago, probably like a week or two ago, while I was looking through some other music that this young man, Toby Nwigwe, has made. If you don't know who Toby Nwigwe is, uh, well, you know who he is. This young man that came up with that song called Try Jesus. Don't try me. Because I fight. He also uh he also has a song with his wife called Eat, where they talk about uh being on the same playlist with Beyonce. I I started digging through the YouTube crates to see where he got his start from, see why where he got his inspiration from. And it turns out before he signed with uh Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher that we all know is a motivational speaker. He uh he was a football player for North Texas. He got injured either his junior year or senior year when he really started to to focus on playing football and stop being a knucklehead, but it turns out the NFL wasn't in his cards, so he decided to just start speaking to children. And while he was doing his public speaking to children and helping out his community, um things of that nature he put together this little I think it was either a MySpace or Facebook video of him just freestyle rapping and somebody from Eric Thomas's camp saw it and said man we would uh you sound pretty good with the rap that you're doing we would like to sign you as an artist and he was like man I'm, I'm not a musician I'm not a rapper I just 
I talk to kids, I inspire the kids, and I just goof off from time to time with this rap thing. I'm not a rapper. But through time and time, keep hitting them up, trying to convince them that, man, this is this is a gift that you have. You really need to try and pursue this. He went on ahead and did it, and six or seven years later, He's at the BET Awards. He's doing commercials. He's uh, doing voiceover work. He's doing, from what I've discovered, he's been doing a lot of stuff for like the past two years. And I've heard on multiple occasions that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. So the longer you wait and sit on what you have, Um, how can I put this? You'll probably get start to get angry. Your spirit is going to be angry. Your body is going to be tense. And the people around you are going to suffer because you're just sitting on your gift. Your spirit knows that you're supposed to be doing something either better or more than what you're currently doing right now. But you just you refuse to for some odd reason, whether it's fear, whether it's disbelief, whether it's outside noise, you're sitting on your gift. You don't believe in your gift and you're not doing anything about it. And you're ruining your life and the life of others around you. So as I leave you today, my parting message is technically a question. What is your true purpose in life? What were you designed to do that others have told you for a minute? You're good at this. You should be doing this. As always, man, I really do appreciate everybody who comes through here. Uh, I checked the statistics out. I'm close to 100 people listening to what I have to say. And that may not mean much to many people, but it means a lot to me. Somebody who's always been either thrown away, overheard, misunderstood, or made fun of. 100 people decided to come through and hear what I had to say. I am, from the bottom of my heart, I am super grateful I am super appreciative. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, you can find me not only on Spotify, but you can find me under the Anchor app. Or you could go on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, subscribe again, rate, review. Thank you very much for paying attention. Thank you very much for coming to my side, listening to what I have to say. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Uh, yeah entertaining but hopefully it was informative as well and y'all take care